TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Good morning. Happy Sunday. It is January 28th and time for the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Charlie Weiss, and Pete Nigerian with us this morning. It should be a fun day in the NFL, uh, despite the fact that the Vikings are not a part of this. Uh, this is, to be honest, Pete, I don't know that I've been as excited to watch a slate of NFL games, certainly playoff games, than I am today. Uh, the the two games that we will see, one is probably two of the best young, flashy quarterbacks, I would say young, in their prime, Lamar Jackson against mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. And two, you've got the Lions who have somehow become America's darling and sweetheart. <laughs> against a 49ers team, kind of got, I don't want to call lucky, but they got there. These are really two fun games this afternoon. Oh, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think we've got the right Pete, are you there? Game. There you are. Yep, I am. Yep, I am. Um, I think we've got the right four teams, and uh, whichever two teams end up advancing, I think they will be you know, likely the best team. I think that we've... We've really gotten it right this year, and I look at the Detroit Lions, everything that they did. Dan Campbell, I think everybody's kind of fallen in love with him. So uh, they love his style. They love the fact that the they do what they do. They run the football. They drafted a running back. They got another guy in free agency. They're going to run the football, and, and Jared Goff is not going to blow your socks off. But at the same time, mm-hmm. he's had a great year, and he's not throwing interceptions. So that's, that's something great, obviously, for them. But Brock Purdy and the boys, the defense of the 49ers, uh, they better play better this this week than they did last week because last week they didn't look all that great against the run, I didn't think, against Green Bay. Yeah. Let, let's start with, with this 49ers-Lions uh, matchup because I, I just I, – I was looking back through some games and I don't – I don't understand or see a way how the Lions can actually slow down Christian McCaffrey. I mean, and even if Debo Samuel's in or not, I, I know that there's kind of we're not 100% sure yet. I, I don't see how they can stop him. He's so versatile. He's such a good running back. And as good as the Lions have been this year offensively and defensively, Christian McCaffrey, for my money, uh, is probably one of, if not the best running back in the game today. Not only running back, I think he's, he's truly the best player. Uh, yeah. I know that we all go with Lamar Jackson because of the fact that he, he is amazing. He, he truly is. But everything that Christian McCaffrey can do, he can catch, you know, he, he can do it from the kickoff return. He can do the punt return. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He can block. He's, 
he's really somebody like I don't think that we have seen in the NFL, and we probably don't appreciate him enough. Mm-hmm. He's he's so athletic, so strong, and so fast. You put all of that together, I think there's a lot of good reasons why he is just the special player he is. Now, can they slow him down? I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I look at the, the Detroit Lions defense. If they have got any part of their – um, of weakness, I think it is on defense. And also, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. They've battled through it, but everybody does. So it's one of those things where if the defense can just play up to a, a high standard, not the highest in the league, but a high standard, they have a shot. And that offense definitely has a shot. They've got to be able to run the ball, though. And if they do, that gives them a really good chance because then they can eat up a little bit of that clock and keep Christian McCaffrey off the field, <laughs> as, well, as well as Purdy, and as well as all the rest of those players. Kittle, I mean, this is a team that is low on offense for sure, and defense, although the defense, like I said, against the Packers, I thought the Packers yeah. ran the ball very, very well against the 49ers. The Packers were in, were in line to win that game if Jordan Love doesn't throw that interception. In terms of the, the, the matchup between... Uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs. I, I was looking at the quarter. You know, you're looking at these quarterbacks, and how much more exciting can you get of two guys? Right? You got Patrick <laughs> Mahomes on one side, and and you have Lamar Jackson on the other. And when you look at their statistics, they are almost identical. Yet for some reason, in my mind, and and looking at and at the favorites and and who people think, it just seems to me that. And I guess I get it. He's won Super Bowls. This is why. But in terms of Pure favoritism. I think everybody is is kind of leaning towards Patrick Mahomes. I think mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, if you can call a guy like him underrated, you almost could. And he, what he does with what he has around him, to me, is almost more impressive than than what at least this season uh, that Patrick Mahomes has done. I don't disagree with you. I, I don't think he gets enough credit. I think it's because of the fact that we probably don't see the Ravens on national television as frequently. You know, right. when you really break it down, who who is the darling? It's the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's because of Patrick Mahomes. But I think when you compare these two, they're actually strikingly different. And what I mean by that is Patrick Mahomes, he runs to throw football. Lamar Jackson runs because he's one of the best running backs when he turns into a running back in the NFL. Yeah. And, and his numbers are his numbers are there. His ability as a quarterback that that's always there present. And the huge advantage I think he has is that defense from the Ravens. What I saw them last week, what they were able to do, that defense is unbelievable. And and when they choke somebody out, they choke them out, and they don't give them the opportunity to get those first downs. And they're pressuring the quarterback and all the great things. And they have built something. I'll tell you what, John Harbaugh has done an absolutely amazing job with the GM building that team, adding Dalvin Cook. I know Dalvin only carried the ball a couple of times, but the one opportunity that he had that he got a, uh, quite a few yards, he looked like Dalvin Cook. And I would, it'll be curious to see how much he plays today. I think they're going to give him maybe six or eight or maybe ten plays today, and he's a difference maker still. And they, are, they already have good running backs, but I think he just complements what they've got. And Lamar Jackson, if, if he's got any kind of running game without himself, He's a really dangerous player then because yeah. it gives him the opportunity then to throw the ball in the way he slings it down the field. So here's my question today, not just for you, but for our audience as well on the WCCO talking text line, six five one four six one nine two two six. Are you rooting for the Lions because they come from the NFC North? Is this is this where we are now? Because 
as Vikings fans, or, or you know, if you are a Vikings fan, you're longing for a couple years ago that you at least had a shot at this. And and I said this this week when I talked to Jason DeRussia that you look at these teams in the NFC North, and of all of them, the age, the team going in the wrong direction in my mind is the Vikings. And everybody yeah. else is on the up, not the least of which is Detroit. So will you root for Detroit just because at least they're in the conference <laughs> that the Vikings are in? I don't know if I can say I will. I, I'm rooting for them because I love seeing a great story. And, and the Lions mm-hmm. making a Super Bowl would be a great story because it's just been so long. Uh, this team has, has been long-suffering and, and mired in obscurity because of it. But will you root for the Lions because of their ties to the North? <laughs> well, I will tell you this. I won't. I'll, I'll root for the Lions because Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell is is such a fun guy, and he's a guy that I think any player who gets a chance to watch it. We're seeing this more and more social media. Everybody's passing the same thing around, but everybody loves Dan Campbell. Why do they love him? Because he's there with them, and he is the leader, and he he's aggressive. He says things that other coaches likely would never say, but yeah. that's what makes him unique. It's what makes guys want to play for him, and I think for that reason. I pull for the Lions. I really don't care if they're in the NFC North and, and all the rest of that <laughs> stuff. I, just, I, I truly just love the fact that Dan Campbell has built this team the way he's done it. Did you see him in the locker room last week after the game? I, yes. It's yep. moments like that. Yeah, it's moments like that where I think we all just sit back and go, oh, can we give him on the Vikings? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a special guy who can get up there and sound the way he sounds, look the way he looks, and, and present – a friendship and a love for the players the way he does. And and I think we see that. And it's something I think this year in college, we saw it at Jim Harbaugh as well. Charlie, were you going to interject? Yeah, something? no, I was just saying, I, I, I like underdogs. I think, I think yeah. that's why most of us are cheering for the lions. I mean, my ideal Super Bowl would have been bills lions, right? You've got these two, yeah. you know, teams that, that would have, have been struggled great. so much. And obviously the Lions are still alive, so I'm going to cheer for for the Lions. And let's be honest, they're not really a rival. They're not really, you know, yes, they're in the NFC North, but nobody, I can't imagine there's any Minnesotans and Vikings fans that look at the Lions and say, yeah, oh, our big rival, we hate them. Who cares, you know? It's it's nice to see the bad teams do good every once in a while. All right, so real quick, Pete, before we let you go, because I know know you're on the road today, uh, who you got in the Super Bowl? Uh, oh, that that's I think pretty easy for me. I, I mean, I got to go Baltimore and Forty ers and I think it's, yeah. it's easy to say, but you know, they're both at home. They both are unbelievable. They have had great seasons, and and I think that what they've put together on both sides, I think that's just a little bit too much for their competition. Charlie, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go Ravens and Lions, which is also my rooting interest. Uh, you know, the Forty ers <laughs> have been absolutely great this season, but they struggled badly against that Packer team who. Has played well uh, later in the season, but I see them struggling a little bit today against uh, just a really solid workman-like offense that the Lions can put together. I actually am going uh, Ravens-Lions as well. I I just think as much as – I don't know how they're going to slow Christian McCaffrey down, but but I think that (laughs) – listen, I've been on this train since the beginning. I said the Lions at the beginning of the season were going to win the North. I'm going to stick with them all the way. I'm going for a a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl. I love it. All right, Pete. I love it. Pete, I, you know we're going to let you. I, I think it would be great. Okay. No, I, <laughs> I think we got a delay here, brother. All right, we're going to let you go because I know you're. Where are you today, by the way? 
I'm at Naples, the Naples Wine Festival. Yesterday they oh. raised $32 million for the children of Collier County, and it's just wow. an incredible event. It's always So, yeah, this is the final day of it. <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy yourself. Thanks for checking in, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy? All right. Take care, guys. See ya. All right. See ya, Pete. Pete Najarian is uh, off to go bid on some probably items that I can only dream of, and we will uh, we'll chat with him again next week. But we're going to chat uh, Timberwolves coming up next. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune is here. Uh, is there reason to worry in the Timberwolves uh, excitement mode? We'll let you know. We'll talk to him coming up next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, there's a rhyme or reason to this one. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune joining us this morning on the huddle on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Chris, uh, Carol King fan, I know you are from your Twitter bio. And the song actually seems apropos uh, so far away. I was actually looking through your Twitter uh, feed this morning, and you go on a bit of a rant, which I'm not – against and i and i don't think you're yeah. wrong at all it's only a matter of time you said timberwolves will find themselves in fourth place in the west maybe that'll be the wake-up call they lose to a not so great san antonio team last night other than victor Weminyana. and it, and it's another fourth quarter collapse for this team how much of a concern is this and i know what you're going to say but i want i think the listeners need to hear how much of a concern this is so to me, the fourth quarter offense is a is a very big concern right now. I think that has extended back several weeks at this point to late December, early January, when they were playing better ball, um, supposedly, and they were losing to teams during that stretch that were decent teams. You know, teams mm-hmm. like Dallas, uh, the Knicks. Um, so you know, you can kind of excuse some of those lapses. Um, but now when you are losing to teams like Charlotte and San Antonio, it becomes more of a concern. You know, they have done a good job of beating the teams they're supposed to beat this year, even on nights when they haven't played their best. This is the first week this season where they haven't done that. So on the one hand, 
they really need to fix their, their late quarter offense. Not having Mike Conley for these two losses, yep. I, I don't think there's a coincidence there, um, quite frankly. Um, and B, I do think – now, last year caused a lot of scar tissue for fans, um, but yeah. I do think that given how they have played this earlier this season, the wins that they were able to stack up, and the, the kind of potential that you see in this team, I think they've earned – the right in the room from the fan base to try and bounce back from their first bad week of the season. So I, that's kind of where I'm at. They need to fix the late game offense. That's got to mm-hmm. be priority number one. But if they can do that, I think you can see them bounce back. Um, listen, every a lot of almost every team is going to go through a lull like this in the season. Right. Uh, this is this is where they're at right now. Okay, so so fans need to give them some grace, and and I appreciate that sentiment. But yeah, <laughs> is is this just a one week thing, or is this the beginning of some unraveling that you can see? Mm, well, that's the big question. That's that's why, have, <laughs> that's why they play the games. I don't know. I, I I would like to see what it looks like when Mike Conley is back now. That's not going to solve everything because there were right. games Mike Conley was out there on the floor and they still didn't look great. Like that Dallas yeah. game, Mike Conley was on the floor. Oklahoma City at home, uh, Mike Conley had maybe his worst game of the season that particular night. Um, but that being said, on on the whole, when Mike Conley has been out there, they have been a, a good fourth quarter team for the entire season taken into account. Um, now – as for an, a potential unraveling, I don't know. Um, you know, I, you kind of get the feeling that maybe that's where they're headed, but, you know, maybe they can rebound. Who knows? Um, you know, maybe they need the all-star break at this point. Maybe they're a little out of gas and it's affecting, yeah. you know, their defense on a night-to-night basis. They could use the, the break to recharge. Um, you know, we're about, about two-plus weeks away from that happening. So I, mean, I think there's a number of factors at play here, and you know I, they they have a chance to bounce back this week. You know they'll, they'll return home after Monday's game. They'll come back home, um, and we'll see what they do. How much do these next few weeks, or or even just you know this short period of time, Chris, will affect if they're going to do anything at the trade deadline? I mean they're they're where they need to be right now. They're still at the top, barring a huge slide. What do you think? if right. anything will happen, and or what does this team need? Well, I don't think that the last couple of games here is going to dramatically affect what they need. I think you could still see this team, even when it was playing well and winning games, that they're still, they, they still can add something to this mix to make it a little better offensively. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the debate among the fan base you know, is, is always, do, do they need a backup point guard? Do they need a shooter? Do they need like more of a bucket getter? Kind of those three, those three baskets of of things. Which one does this team need the most? Because you probably don't have room to add two. You might be able to add one of those uh, type of players. I personally have veered towards they need a shooter because yeah. I think Finch's offense operates best when you have shooting around the perimeter. We saw two years ago when they had players like Torian Prince and Malik Beasley shooting really well. The offense took off the second half of the season. Kind of a, a similar story. 
last season, uh, especially when Carl Anthony Towns returned. So I tend to think they should probably opt more for shooting. I think with Mike Conley out, I think Mikhail Alexander Walker has done a has done a commendable job playing the backup point guard, starting backup point guard role. Um, and I think they have ways that they can maneuver around that. I think they need a shooter and somebody that's going to help them face the floor and create open, open looks, open, efficient looks off of, you know, the, the attention that Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns command out there. Chris Hine joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline from the Star Tribune, Timberwolves beat writer. I'm glad you brought up uh, Nikhil. You wrote a great piece this week on on him um, in the in the Star Tribune about how he's been he's a voracious reader and and kind of this mental aspect of his game. How did you get into that with him? And and as you started to dig a little deeper, realize that taking his mind off the pressures of the game was so integral in in his career and what has become his successful time here in Minnesota. You know, it was like even like the first week he got here last season, he had a book at his locker. I saw him just before like the first game that he was playing as a Timberwolf. He was just reading at his locker. <laughs> and I, you know, just kind of started asking him about what he was reading. And, and you know, if, if you get the chance to get to know Nikhil a little bit, he's, he's a very, you know, very engaging guy. He's a very uh, – you know, uh, he'll have a, a good in-depth conversation with you about what he's reading or what's going on in his world. He's he's not one to kind of shy away from the media or, you know, kind of hide when reporters are around. Um, so he, he was more than happy to, to talk about it and talk about his his journey and his story. And, you know, just being around the team, you get to develop a little rapport and a relationship with the players and you hope that they – feel comfortable enough to, you know, yeah. open up to you when you want to write about them. And that was kind of the case with Nikhil. I really appreciated him, uh, you know, kind of going there and, and talking about what was really going through his head the last year or so and how reading really helped him out with that. One of the things I read in that article just kind of stuck out to me, and it actually had to do with, with Chris Finch and you saying that because they had uh, been together at a previous stop and um, – I think Nikhil was worried about maybe the impression he had made on Finch. But Finch said, and this is from your article, quote, in fact, I look at it at the opposite. What's there? What's redeemable at this point in his career? To be honest with you, it's his defense. The idea that Chris Finch is willing to let stuff aside and look at second chances, has that been something that has contributed to this season? Because last year, any coach would walk away from that, I think, and go, listen, it didn't work real well with Towns and Gobert and Ant. The, the, the chemistry wasn't there un, until late. His ability to clean the slate and look forward, has that helped this year? I think it has. I think, I think that's why they got off to such a strong start. Nobody came into the season, you know, with last year kind of hanging over them. And I think Finch's philosophy in that way also mirrors Tim Connolly's philosophy. You know, he's very, he's very patient. He believes when he gets the right people in, you have to give it time to make it work. He was that way in Denver uh, with Michael Malone as his coach. And I, you, I think you see him adopting a similar philosophy, you know, whenever the fan base gets riled up at Finch for, you know, games like last night, he's going to stay the course and play the long game. Uh, and with Finch, you know, I think the one thing that Finch has done a good job of is he always communicates to the players kind of where they stand. We've heard that from a number of role players over the years, whether it be Nikhil, 
whether it be Tory and Prince or, you know, guys like Tory Brown this year, that even when they're, they may be out of the rotation or not playing, their chance is going to come around again. And they have to stay ready for it, you know, be positive, because eventually just through the, the cycle of an NBA season, whether it be guys, you know, getting hurt or guys, you know, not playing well for a stretch mm-hmm. of time, they're going to get back in the rotation at some point and their chance is going to come up again. And he does a good job kind of communicating that, keeping guys engaged so that when it does happen, you have an example like McKeel where he's ready to take advantage of his time when it does come. Well, let's hope it's uh, not too late, baby. It's not too late. Little Carol King. Let's hope they got some work. Whenever I hear her on these, on these appearances, I appreciate that. <laughs> Chris Hine, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune joining us on the John Schuster Cowell Banker Hotline. Take a quick break. Come back, and we'll do the fast break. You're listening to the Huddle on eight three zero WCCO. All right, no, no, Pete and Dave today. We just got Dave, but Dave, I definitely just jinxed us. By the way, we will get six feet of snow in now. February. Come on now, don't don't say that. <laughs> uh, I had you pick a number in the break, yes, uh, Dave, and you won a new Aston Martin. Pete's at this fancy schmancy thing down in Florida, <laughs> as Pete does. The kind of stuff you and I would I, never be seen at. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to look at, hey, oh, what are the auction lots? Because he talked yeah. about, you know, they raising all this money through auction lots. Yeah, one of them is just like an Aston Martin and tickets to the F1 race. And I'm like, oh. That would be nice. All right. That's that's pretty sick. You get all four questions today, Dave. All right. We're going to start. See, I already won the sweepstakes. Yeah, we're going to start right off. We're past the winter meetings. We're past the Hall of Fame announcements. Mm-hmm. We're even past Twins Fest now, which occurred over the weekend here, Dave. Uh we're just over two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. I believe it's the 14th of February. Yes, Valentine's is, Day. Uh, is it really? Yeah. Is, that, is it always the 14th or is that a change? I think it's pretty close to it. Okay. I or no it's idea. right at it, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, but I will ask you now. My question has changed. I've asked a very similar question previously about the Twins months ago. I mean, at the beginning of the off season, I said, hey, Dave, when are you know are they going to make a move before the winter meetings? Are they going to make a move before this? My question has changed from if they make a move now, Dave, to will they make a move at all before the season happens? And by that I mean a big move, a a Pablo Lopez like trade, something that that moves the meter. They've added you know some minor league players here and there. Yeah, I'm talking about something that really kind of gets a fan excited. Is that going to happen before this season? I. I... I mean, it depends on when. When do you consider season starting? Like on the, the 14th or or in April when they play? No, their day first one game? of the regular season. Day one, day of, one the of the regular season. season. I I don't think that they are. I, I mean, I think at this point, it just usually usually it's the winter meetings, right? Usually that's when all this stuff starts to happen. And now you kind of look at at your roster and you got to see what you have. There's so many questions still. Uh, I, I mean, it's always surround. It always surrounds pitching for me. It's always going to be about pitching. And they did still lose some very good pitching in the offseason. Um, they are still going to have to figure out another starter, right? I mean, at this point, yeah. you've got Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober. You're you're going to need Chris you're going to need something. Paddock Chris is, Paddock's is in there. Expected. You know, is Louis Varland a starter? Yeah. Is then he you get down to those secondary guys, right? And that's where you that's that's where you're going to need help at this point. Is it? It's do you have who's your fourth and fifth starter if you're going to go that deep? And they just don't have that. I think let's decided at this point. Um, 
I'm also interested, you know, once again, who's your outfielder? Who's it going to be? Is, is Byron Buxton says this weekend that he's ready to play center field. Simply put, he's back. that's it. He's back. Yeah, I, Forgive me if I'm not thrill if I'm not jumping out of my seat because I've heard that so many times before, and my heart's been broken. We all want Byron Buxton to play center field well, and and for a long time, but it just hasn't happened. So, I think something has to happen here before the season starts because they don't necessarily have the pitchers that you need to really round out a great rotation, uh, and and they haven't figured that out yet. So will it happen? I don't know. Will it just be a hey, let's bring someone up and see how it goes. We'll roll with three or four starters and then and then see what happens. I don't know, but it does not seem like it's complete and ready for day one of the season at this point. As a Twins fan, I'm not yeah. panicking yet just because since the 2021-22 lockout, it has seemed like it used to be these winter meetings. That's when the things happen. That's when everything yeah. moves, moves forward. Since that lockout, things have kind of shifted backwards, and a lot of that has to do with Scott Boris, the mega agent who controls everything that yes. has to do with free agency kind of playing a slower game uh, in his later years now. Uh, and so I'm not worried yet. And Derek Falvey and Thad Levine known to make these moves kind of late. The Pablo Lopez move was pretty late into yeah. last offseason. So I'm not at the panic stage yet. I still think something gets done, but uh, I-, I thought something would have get- gotten done by now too. And uh, we Well, at least we can agree waiting. though. Something the, the, the something Absolutely. has to happen with Absolutely. the rotation before the season starts. Yeah, I, I think that, and you know, maybe I'm naive, but I think that the front office thinks that as well, and uh, I, I believe that they're going to try to do something about that one way or another. There are guys that are on the market. There's Miami, mm-hmm. Seattle. A couple different teams are looking to sell off. You're going to have to pay a price. Is that Brooks Lee? I don't know, but uh, it's it's probably going to be a high price if you want to get some some very solid quality pitching. Let's move on to number two here, Dave. The Australian Open finished up early this morning with the youngster out of Italy, Yannick Sinner, becoming the first Italian to ever win the Australian Open. He had to rally past Daniil Medvedev to win this one after ousting the great Novak Djokovic in the semifinals. Djokovic fell uh, fo- fell before the finals. Nadal is constantly injured. Federer has now retired, and the supposed heir apparent, Carlo Alcarez, uh, has been struggling. He's still a youngster. He could still do very well as he goes forward, but he's been struggling. My question did. <laughs> I wonder where this giggling? is going. Do you know where I'm, it's going? I don't. I'm really interested. Right. I'm not a, t- a huge tennis guy, so go ahead. Okay. Well, let's just let's listen. Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, they're all and some already coming to the ends of their career. Have yeah. we just lived through the great era of men's tennis, the greatest oh, yeah. thus far era of men's tennis, and is that coming to an end? Uh, I'll say no because I actually think the greatest era of men's tennis was late 90s, early 2000s when you had Andre Agassi, uh, you had Pete Sampras, you had Michael Chang, Boris Becker, uh, some of these really, really – that Boris Becker might have been on the end of his career. But, um, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is every time we think that the great era of the time is ending, we eventually enter into another era. And, and, there, and yes, Djokovic and Nadal and, and, and these players are, were incredible, and, and they do things that other players can't do because – uh, changes and, and everything changes. So these guys are stronger and faster and they hit the ball a thousand miles an hour, but we never, we always enter another era. There's always hope. There's always someone out there who will be better. And it's hard to think about, but it always happens. 
And, and you know, you look at, we all thought Michael Jordan was the greatest, never, never going to be topped. And you can argue that he hasn't. But we've seen Kobe Bryant. We've seen LeBron James. Uh, we've seen so many others who have come in. We always thought Gretzky and Lemieux were going to be the greatest ever, and no one would ever top them. And now we had, we've had Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin and, and uh, Connor McDavid and now Connor Bedard. So eras always ebb and flow. You'll always get another. But for my money, I loved the late 90s, early 2000s era of tennis. See, but I wonder if that's more of a personality thing. I mean, I, I'll ask you this, Dave. Can you name the top three or four or five, whatever, just name the top uh, Grand Slam champions, most titles all time? Most titles all time? Yep. Uh, let's see. Is Lendl up there? Uh, no. Boris Becker? No. Uh, Andre Agassi? Uh, he's down. He's pretty far down. Uh, eighth tied for well Djokovic has to be or, uh, Djokovic number, has to be number one top. is Djokovic with 24 yeah. number two is Nadal with 22 number three is Federer with 20 that's wow. your top three all time uh, and those were the guys we just kind of went through after that you get down to Pete Sampras Roy Emerson uh, kind of different eras to be honest with you Rod Rod Lavar Bjorn Borg so Rod Laver yeah by yeah, the way so have like, you read are you you're a big tennis guy right some I like tennis. I'm, I'm a fan. Have you read Andre Agassi's biography yet? I have not. I've seen it on the bookshelves. I've not read it's it myself. It's incredible. I read it in like a week. It's so good. I had no idea how tortured of a soul that this guy was and what he went through to be at the top and stay there. It's incredible. What it, it, If anyone has not read it, and even if you don't even have to be a tennis fan. Uh, it's an incredible book, Andre Agassi's autobiography. And by the way, that, that Djokovic, Nadal, Federer trio of Grand Slam champions, they all have 20-plus. Pete Sampras is now at 14, so it's it's really? a big gap. It is a wow. six Grand Slam championship gap at least uh, between those three and the next, and they are all on the back ends or have already ended their career. We'll keep moving on here because we're running a little Late. We already did this, Dave, for college football, so let's do it for the NFL now. Uh, the coaching carousel has almost stopped turning with just a couple of openings left wide open. Uh, so why not pick a favorite? Well, you can give a letter grade. You can just do a favorite, whatever mm-hmm. you want. But let's go through who has been hired where. Jim Harbaugh, of course, to the L.A. Chargers. You've got Dave Canales to the Carolina Panthers. Gerard Mayo to the New England Patriots. Antonio Pierce, who was the interim coach of the Raiders, got that full-time gig. Brian Callahan over to the Tennessee Titans. And Raheem Morris hired by the Atlanta Falcons. What's your favorite out of those coaching hires? I, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I, I think the the best situational, uh, the best situation for a guy to get in is Jim Harbaugh because I think when you look at the Chargers, they have so much going for them that, that it's much more of a kind of jump in and turn the key and you're going to have mm-hmm. success. The one I love the most is probably Antonio Pierce in Vegas. Uh, I I love the idea that I don't think he was – I don't get the, uh, the the impression that he was the first choice maybe of the front office, but the locker room and the players wanted him there so badly uh, that they were very vocal about that. And and I like that idea. I like the idea that you go and you, you don't need to – you don't need to recycle another coach. You know, you've got a guy who knows the game, who the players respect, and, you know, those two things together mean a lot. Um, now, in terms of the worst deal, I'll tell you, Gerard Mayo's got a, got a really tough, tough thing to try to do. I, I mean, you never want to be the guy after the guy, and, and now you have to be. But can you imagine trying to coach after Bill Belichick 
at in New yeah. England. I mean, a guy that's had so much success, who, by the way, does not have another job, and as far as I can tell, is not in a finalist for another job, yeah, which we'll, is really interesting to me. We can, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more later. Yeah. I, I would say the one positive about the Gerard Mayo situation is, at the very least, Belichick left with a bad team. He had, they have yeah. not been good the last few years. So it's not like you're leaving like you're Saban and you just went to the college football playoff semifinals and you've been winning every year still. Belichick had been on a downward trend with those New England Patriots. So at least there's somewhat of an expectation that there's going to be maybe some down years here for New England because there already were. Yeah, that's still – I mean, how many – what did he win? Five Super Bowls? I mean, how many? I lost count I don't of even Super know. Bowls yeah. that he won. And, and I think we've now seen – and, and this is a controversial statement, but I think we've now seen that he needed Tom Brady more than Tom Brady needed him. Uh, Tom Brady yeah. goes and wins somewhere, and, and, and Bill Belichick just can't do anything without him. And so I think, I, but I do think it's a tough situation because there's always going to be draws in, in Boston and Massachusetts, New England is a hotbed. So good luck to, to, to Mayo, but it's going to be a tough task. Yeah, I mean, worth remembering, Belichick wasn't. You know, thought of as some great coach for the Browns and the Jets and all, you know, no. when he was coaching before Brady and then Brady comes on and he's the greatest coach of all time. He, I still think he's a very good coach. I'm not saying he's not, but uh, it's, I think uh, he is too. It's, I it's think probably Brady's Brady's thing. Yes. The tough thing for Belichick in, in, in finding another job is finding a job and a, and a GM and owner who's willing to deal with Bill Belichick. Yes. You know, not just his personality, but he demands control. And I don't know that that he is going to get that kind of control anywhere else except for when he you know, has in New England. So right. we'll see. Someone will hire him at some point, maybe. Quick final one. Your dog wants me to finish this off, so I'm, <laughs> I, will, uh, I will finish off the one. Go for basketball beat Penn State last night yeah. in State College. That's their second conference road win on the season, which marks the first time since 2019-2020 yep. that they've had two conference road wins in a season. The last time they had more than two conference road wins in a season, 2016-2017, mm-hmm. when they made the NCAA tournament. Uh, thank you to Marcus Fuller, Star Tribune. I was on your Twitter checking that out. That was a f- good, fun fact. Uh, give me a descriptive explanation right now of how hot Ben Johnson's seat remains. Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I, I don't think – I'll tell you this. That's a that was a really nice win at Penn State yesterday, and, and it was. I mean, they're down quite a bit at half, and and they show resilience, they show strength, they show that that they can spread it around. Uh, old Joseph was good, Parker Fox was good, it, it just it's everybody. So I don't think it's hot because I just don't I, I don't get the feeling that much was expected of this year. Um, so I mean, it, okay. it's it's warm, but I don't think it's I don't think it's as imminent as I thought it was last year. All right. Well, uh, we got to get out of here. We ran a little bit late. All right. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Wrap up hour number one. You're listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO. Welcome back to The Huddle 1055 Sunday morning. We talked a little bit about this in the last segment. Jim Harbaugh is now the head coach of the Chargers in the NFL. This comes after Harbaugh was suspended for the final three games of the 2023 season amid an ongoing NCAA investigation, uh, sign-stealing, former staffer Connor Stallions. And, and once again, now Michigan goes on to win a national championship, and Jim Harbaugh runs 
and becomes an NFL coach after so many years of coming close. And in fact, I've said on these airwaves that I didn't think he would ever, that he would do it this year. I thought that he would come back once again. But to me, there's a problem here. And that is the fact that here is a coach who took, who, who, who Claims he knew nothing, but we all know that there's a very good chance something was going on. This this guy did not, this Connor Stallions did not just operate on his own without telling the head coach. And there was fallout from this, but what ends up happening is they win a national title, and now Jim Harbaugh is on his way. And to me, this tells me very much that in college football, if you're not cheating, you're not trying sometimes. And and it, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it was... The college football working with the NFL, that something else had to happen. But Harbaugh comes out of here smelling like guest room soap. I mean, that's just the way it is. He wins his title. He leaves Michigan in a world of hurt and, and having to deal with all this now. And now he's gone. To me, Charlie, this just kind of doesn't sit right with me. I don't know what the answer is, but it tells me once again that you could pretty much do whatever you want in NCAA football. And if you win, you're going to be just fine. I mean, that's life. Is that just NCAA I football? I mean, when yeah. you know, deflate gate in the NFL. How many? You know, well, many and Pete Carroll did it when he was at USC. Right? I mean, he had all sorts of. Yeah. And then he went to the Seahawks. I, I don't think this is a Jim Harbaugh or an NCAA football specific topic. I think this is much bigger than that, Dave. It is. But what are you going to do? You're just going to sit back and watch Jim Harbaugh enjoy life in the NFL. Hour number two coming up. We'll talk. Joe Maurer in the Hall of Fame. One former player thinks he shouldn't be there. We'll talk about that coming up next on The Huddle. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 